0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's episode, we're going to venture into another case of murder here in Southwest Michigan. This case happened in 1855 in Marshall, Michigan. And the title of this story would be called The Murder of John Wiley. So come along and join me and let's explore this forgotten story from Marshall's history. So on November 13th, 1855, in the quiet village town of Marshall, Michigan, shots rang out at the home of a man by the name of Reuben Welton Pendleton while he was away on business in Chicago. Now, the events of that evening would leave one man dead and another man being sentenced to life in prison, and the owner of the home wasn't even in town. So we're going to dig into this a little bit here and talk about this intriguing murder tale. But before I begin, I should let you know that this story is going to be published in a collection that I have coming out in a book on true crime, and it will be coming out in the spring of of 2024 so i will certainly be making the big announcement on when it's available probably in season three of this podcast but i wanted to share this story with you tonight and give you some of the details so to the residents of the city at this time in history in 1855 the tragedy of that night was shocking and initially somewhat of a mystery The trial that would eventually unfold in the coming months would also add clarity to all that led up to the incident. But the story in itself would be something that the homeowner, Reuben Pendleton, would prefer to have kept it in confidence. In other words, this is a background story that he would have preferred to have been kept in secrecy and not aired out in the public forum because this tragedy was brought about by the infidelity of his wife and it was driven by the tempest of his own jealousy reuben pendleton was a cabinet maker and he owned a brick house in marshall michigan and the house itself was described as a very handsome property And he was originally from Connecticut, and he was known among his friends in Marshall as Old Jure Pendleton. His first wife was Sarah Ann Darling, and she passed away in April of 1848 at the age of 31. She left him with two children. He married again the same year as his wife's death to a 20-year-old woman by the name of Caroline Pringle. Now, Reuben was 36 at this time, and together they would have a son. Now, Reuben occasionally took on boarders, and renting out rooms was something that was done quite often with homeowners for extra money. And one boarder that took up residence was John Wiley. Now, he worked for the Michigan Central Railroad, and he was somewhat of a wild and frolicking engineer, and he came to live in Marshall in August of 1855. Now, John, he was apparently quite the charmer, the ladies' man extraordinaire. And instead of just renting the room and going about his business and going to work, and so forth, he took a particular interest in Caroline Pendleton, Reuben Pendleton's new young 20-year-old wife. And he began to call her, on a first-name basis, Kate. Now, the two began to engage in what was known during the Victorian era as Unlawful Intimacy. And that was the term for extramarital affairs during that time. They were having their romantic tryst. It wasn't long before Reuben discovered their secret. And boy, was he angry. Reuben ordered John to leave the house, and he forbade him from ever returning to his property. Now, John responded by this Demand and order that I will visit Kate whenever I take a notion and the devil can't stop me. This insolent response only further infuriated Reuben Pendleton. But John Wiley did leave the house and he went to stay with a friend from the railroad by the name of William Plummer on September 4th, 1855. So he was Less than a month living at the Reuben Pendleton house. And he returned the next day with Mr. Plummer to pick up his trunk, which had guns in it and other personal effects the following day. Now, Mr. Plummer said that he lived with him during that time, and on occasion he would sleep on the train cars, which was part of their job over at the railroad. Now, Mrs. Pendleton did not want anything to do with Reuben's decrees concerning John Wiley. She liked having him around. So whenever Reuben would leave town, John Wiley would stop by to visit, often by her invitation. You can kind of see where this is going, right? So Reuben suspected this was happening, and in November of 1855, He'd had enough. He had to go out of town again, this time to Chicago on business for his cabinet business. And he gave his brother Increase Pendleton. Yes, that was his name, Increase Pendleton. And he also told another friend by the name of DeWitt Horton that he wanted them to look after his house while he was gone. And he gave them both a key. And he instructed them to keep an eye out for John Wiley. And he urged them that if they found Wiley inside his home, while he was gone, to alert the prosecuting attorney, whose name was John Van Armen there in Marshall during that time. And he would leave instructions with the attorney, and the attorney would know what to do. So these guys watched the house for several nights, and they recruited another man by the name of J.K. Byers to help them out. So all three of them would sit up and watch the house at night. They were eager to catch this guy named John Wiley. They knew him by sight. And on Tuesday night, November 13th, three days after Reuben had been out of town, they were watching the house and they detected none other than John Wiley inside the home. And indeed, Mrs. Pendleton was there as well. Oh, this was something they couldn't stand. They had to act on it they had to defend their friend reuben pendleton so wiley had somehow sneaked in and wandered over and he told his friend william Plummer where he was going that night and mrs pendleton as it turned out had invited him to come on inside when he stopped by so the three men approached the house with the intention of entering the home and arresting john wiley they were going to just drag him over to the prosecuting attorney and say you know here's this guy we found him inside rubens pendleton's home let's get him thrown in jail that was their thinking i suppose Um, they didn't have really any legal way of doing this and they're really wasn't uh, a thought in their mind to call the sheriff and just let him handle it. But no, it was they were going to take care of it themselves and arrest this guy. So DeWitt Horton was armed with a Colt revolver pistol when he approached the house. He had been advised by Reuben not to go into the house unarmed, as Wiley was known to carry a double-barrel shotgun and sometimes a pistol when he was in the home. So he wanted to make sure that, you know, Mr. Horton had something to defend himself with. So he grabbed his Colt revolver pistol and he had it on him. So they walked up to the house. They sneaked up on the porch. And they tried to open the door by placing the key in the lock. And you know what happened? They discovered the keyhole had been filled with lead. Oh, what to do, what to do? Well, they decided to break the door down and entered a home anyway. So they kicked in, one of the door panels reached in, and forced the lock open. And with a loud crashing noise when they did this, they began shouting Wiley's name. And as soon as they entered the home, the candlelights in the foyer were suddenly extinguished. DeWitt Horton, the first one inside, was immediately knocked down by someone unknown in the darkness. A melee broke out in the dark foyer, and someone had struck Horton in the eye with a chair. Wiley had extinguished the lights in the foyer when he heard them coming in and retreated upstairs. Now, by extinguishing the lights, he had blown out the candles or snuffed them out um, before he ran upstairs. So apparently he hid in the dark, saw them coming, snuffed the candles, and gave Horton a hit with a chair or something in the dark and then retreated upstairs. And when he got upstairs, he threw another chair down and struck the man as he came through the door. So maybe that was what happened. It was a little hard to decipher in the newspaper accounts. Some accounts said that he was in the foyer and struck him with the chair. Others say he threw it down the stairs at him into the foyer. So let's assume he snuffed the candles, ran up the stairs, grabbed a chair, and threw it down. Because he knew these guys were coming for him, obviously. They were making a ruckus and yelling his name. So when Horton had charged through the door with such tremendous force and was several feet into the foyer, he was hit. He retreated eight or nine feet backward and he drew his pistol. Wiley was holding a light in one hand and waving a chair leg in the other at the top of the landing and he commenced to charge down the stairs when Horton retreated backwards and pulled out the gun. Horton fired several shots at Wiley in his general direction one bullet struck him in the stomach the others must have just missed and hit the wall behind him or something so Wiley when he made it down the stairs struck Horton with the chair leg again and Byers who had come in right behind Horton interceded and delivered some punches to Mr. Wiley So by then, the shot that struck Wiley in the abdomen was beginning to take effect, and he doubled over in pain and fell down on the floor. And so that was kind of the end of the fight. Uh, There's a wrecked chair in the foyer. Wiley's laying on the foyer floor, doubled over in pain, and Horton has quite a bloody face from being hit in the face with a chair. And Byers had some... uh, blows that were exchanged between him and Wiley so he had some bruises on his face and also some bruises on his knuckles from having hit Wiley. So the county sheriff whose name was Dixon was called and he arrived on the scene and he described the foyer as being scattered with fragments of chair all over the place and Horton had cuts on his face and one eye was swollen. So Dixon went over to Wiley and asked him if he'd been shot. And he replied, yes, in the bowels. I have been given a death blow. Wiley then told him what happened. He said that Horton had rushed in. He began ascending the stairs and he asked him what he was coming in for. And Horton had replied, my God, I'll let you know. And he claimed that that is when he threw the chair that broke across Horton's face. He then charged back downstairs and Horton had shot him. Now different witnesses would testify to the varying accounts of that evening. There were only the witnesses that crashed through the front door and Wiley that were probably pertinent to what happened in that foyer. But the other witnesses were neighbors that heard the gunshot and the crash and the noise that were in houses that were adjoining Reuben's house. So some of them claimed that the crash of the chair came at the same time as the gunshots, and others would claim the crash came first, and then the gunfire. So initially, Dixon arrested DeWitt Horton and J.K. Byers and Increase Pendleton, and he took them all to jail. Now, J.K. was showing signs of having been in the fight, as I mentioned before, and Increase, it was confirmed had never entered the house. He had remained outside on the porch, and so he was initially charged as an accessory, but he would be later released before the inquiry hearing ever took place. Now, John Wiley would see a doctor, and the bullet would be removed. However, his intestines had been pierced, and medicine during this time wasn't very advanced. And he ultimately died a short time later. Now, there were some accounts that said he died two days later from his injuries. And there were others that were indicating that he died later that evening or early the next morning. So it's not very clear as to exactly when he passed away. But he did die from the bullet wounds. And it was likely from internal bleeding or infection. And his body was returned to his family in Richland County, Ohio and buried in Mansfield Cemetery over in Mansfield, Ohio. So the official inquiry that followed would air out the affair with John Wiley and Mrs. Pendleton. Now, Reuben Pendleton's conflict with his wife and his instructions to his brother and DeWitt Horton would also come out in the hearing. Now, during the hearing, something interesting happened. Mrs. Pendleton was put on the stand, and she was questioned intensely about the affair, and she refused to answer questions to the point where she became kind of indignant about it and refused to cooperate with the court. So the judge ultimately charged her with contempt of court and sent her to jail, and she spent about four or five days in the Marshall County Jail on those charges. The results of the hearing was that J.K. Byers was eventually released without any charges being filed on him. The inquiry didn't really find anything heavy to charge him with in terms of the murder. He was following the instructions of DeWitt Horton. And DeWitt Horton was, however, charged with murder, and the case would be taken to trial. Now, the trial was held in December of that year in 1855, and John Van Armin, who was originally contacted to help out Reuben Pendleton if they caught Wiley in the home, and that was their original plan. John Van Armin was typically the prosecuting attorney in Marshall, but he decided to be the defense attorney for DeWitt Horton in this case. So that's how he participated in this trial. And the trial lasted several weeks, and the jury was eventually set out for deliberation on December 25th. On Christmas Day. And they would remain in the room for only about an hour, and then they would return with the verdict of murder in the first degree. So Van Armin immediately filed an appeal with the Michigan Supreme Court, and that appeal was eventually reviewed, and they ruled against his client. So DeWitt Horton was sent to jail. He was sentenced in January 1856 to the state prison for life. But he would only serve three years in prison after receiving a pardon from then-Michigan Governor Moses Wisner in 1859. And that's the story of the murder of John Wiley. It's not a very long one, not a very dramatic one, but it was just interesting details about a little bit of infidelity over in Marshall and a little bit of gunplay and a little bit of jealousy. The brother of the slighted husband and some friends were trying to do what they could to protect the interests of Reuben Pendleton when he was out of town, I suppose you might say. And um, it's just a very interesting story to look at, and there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, Reuben Pendleton would live until the late 1870s, and then he would pass away, and I believe he's buried in Oak Hill Cemetery in Marshall, And I didn't really track down where DeWitt Horton wound up or if he ever returned to Marshall following his release from prison. Oftentimes they wouldn't return to their own former communities because of the stigma attached to that. And it was a little hard sometimes to find out where they always ended up at. But um, that is the story of the murder of John Wiley. And I hope you found it interesting. And as I mentioned before, this is going to be in a collection that I have put together on True Crime in the Victorian era in southwest Michigan. This is one of the stories. In fact, I think it's the only story I have in the book that is precisely in Marshall. There are other stories that are in other counties in the collection. I've got one story that's a very big one over in Jackson. There's another in Eaton County and Eaton Rapids. There's some down in Branch County. And there's some over in St. Joseph County. And even there's one story that overlaps Berrien and Cass County. So, uh, and also one in Kalamazoo. And another up in Barry County over in Hastings. So I've tried to cover a lot of different stories around the region, including Battle Creek. There's a nice selection for my fans out there that are listening from Battle Creek that uh, will really get you going in this true crime collection. So, And they're all kind of different And some are more dramatic and involved, and some are outright crazy series of events. And it took quite a bit of doing the research. I've been researching for about two years on some of these stories. Some of them I researched in the last six months to uh, include them in the book. And it's been a project I've been working on in the background for many, many months now. And Marshall plays an important role in many of these stories because that is where a lot of the trials in Calhoun County were held during that era. So it's kind of important. So that book will be made available through History Press, and they are telling me they're going to target to have it released in the first quarter of 2024. But that's going to do it for today's journey through history, looking at the story of the murder of John Wiley. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a rating and a review on whatever app that you are listening on. Woo-hoo! And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can always find me at com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And be sure to check out my program that's happening at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum at the end of this month. It's going to be on some stories of Oak Hill Cemetery. And that should be a lot of fun. I'll be working on that program with Dave Eddy. I actually met with Dave a little bit today and doing some preparation work. And also Jim Jackson. And we ha- I had lunch with Jim today, actually. So I saw both of them today at different times. And we sat down and did a little bit of planning. So it should be a lot of fun uh, at the end of the month. And I'll put the link to where you can buy tickets online. Or you can always stop by the Battle Creek Regional History Museum at... Uh, 307 West Jackson Street in Battle Creek, Michigan. And pick up tickets. They're open on Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays, they're open from 10 a.m. to 5. And on Sundays, they are open from noon to 5. And you can take a tour of the History Education Center while you're there and learn a little bit about local and regional history. That being said, until next time when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.